Welcome to the Search for Truth podcast, where we take a look at the Word of God and its authentic application to our lives. I'm Pastor Young, and in our daily Bible studies, we will ask the question, what is truth? Where do I fit in the story? And what is God saying to the church? So grab a Bible and enjoy. Word up! everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Search for Truth podcast. I'm Pastor Young. Let's get our Bibles out and begin our study for the evening. Um, I, as you uh, probably know by now, we've started season three and this is episode two uh, concerning the doctrine, uh, concerning biblical doctrine. Uh, I began uh, our previous episode by teaching that God has always been one and if he was one at the beginning he's got to be one at the end one in the middle um, this is this is going to be so important building forward I like to try to build our lessons you know one upon another because the Bible works that way um, every, every jot and tittle here a little there a little rightly dividing the word it it's all going to have to line up. Um, today we're going to go a little bit deeper into the oneness of God. Um, I really want to talk specifically about the God of the Old Testament. Okay, If we have one God, if He never changes, then the God of the Old Testament has got to be the same God of the New Testament. So the question that we're going to be asking and answering today is... Is there a division between the what many would call the Father who operates in the Old Testament versus the Son who operates in the New Testament, or are they one and the same God? Um, I, I I really want to begin uh, in the Book of Exodus. We we need to start uh, as close to the beginning as we can get, um, and uh, there there will be uh, an additional lesson. Uh, coming very soon, uh, one of the next few episodes actually, where I discuss uh, more uh, about the names of God, uh, the names that he went by, and we'll get into a little bit of that today. Uh, When we do that, uh, I'm going to go way into Genesis 1, uh, and we're going to talk about God and creation, and uh, etc. But for the purpose that we're going to discuss today, uh, we're going to begin in Exodus uh, chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3. Please get your Bibles out. Please take notes. These, uh, these lessons are going to be extremely important uh, because what I have found, and, and I've talked to a lot of people, I'm, I'm getting a lot of support uh, with the purpose uh, and the mind behind this series, or behind this season, I should say. I'm getting a lot of support from people because I think that we're beginning to recognize that people can have the truth and not know how to represent it. Or people can have a portion of the truth because they happen to belong to a church that preaches the truth. But if you don't have an understanding of the truth, you're not going to be able to hold on to it whenever someone questions it. Now, we could put ourselves in a bubble. We could put ourselves 
uh, you know, uh, far away from everybody that every dissenting voice, you know, we could, we could go live on a compound somewhere, you know, but that is not at all the gospel that the Lord has given us to preach. He said for us to go, for us to go. And so uh, if we're going to go, that means that we're going to come into contact with those, hopefully, that do not believe what we believe. Now, it's, their, it's going to be their job to question what we believe. Don't get angry at somebody whenever they challenge you in your faith or challenge you, uh, uh, you know, regarding your belief. I, I would say that debates, biblical debates, are hardly ever profitable, but a Bible study is greatly profitable. And uh, I was asked this question one time, what do you do if somebody starts to argue with you uh, in the middle of Bible study? Uh, many know that listen to this, I, I sit across the kitchen table from a lot of people every week. Um, I have many Bible study sessions. It's my full-time job here at FPC Wichita, and I am blessed to be able to do this every day. And whenever someone begins to try to engage in an argument with me, it's very important I stop everything. And there have been some young ministers that have been with me, uh, ridden with me uh, whenever this has happened, and I will shut everything down. I will stop and I will say to them very kindly, uh, it's important that tone, tone is extremely important whenever we have a disagreement. Uh, no matter whether it's doctrine or whether it's something else, uh, tone is always gonna be very important. And so I speak to them in a kind tone and I say to them, look, I'm here for a Bible study. I'm not here for a Bible debate because you lose, uh, you lose friends at the same time that you're winning arguments and uh, you lose souls at the same time that you're winning arguments. Me winning arguments is not going to make God any greater of a God. All it will do is it will build my pride, which is destructive in the first place. And so I remind them I'm here for Bible study, not a Bible debate. Um, I'll get to these topics that you're bringing up, and I will, and I will. And in those times, uh, if I'm on the topic and they have a question, that is very appropriate. That's wonderful. I welcome that. Uh, but to engage in an argument, I, I, I would say that the majority of time that that's ever happened, uh, they were way off topic from what we were studying that day. And uh, so it's very rare that I will ever go into actually engaging in that. Very rare, pretty much never. And I will say to them, I'm here for Bible study, not a Bible debate. And I would rather keep you as a friend than to engage with you uh, in, an, in an argument of some sort. Uh, and so I, I'd like to keep this to a Bible study. Uh, and in our Bible study, we will get to all of the sections that they may have disagreement with. And when it's topical and when it is appropriate for that day in that session, then I will answer whatever question that they have and I will take it topic by topic. Uh, don't ever fall into the trap of firing back, uh, fighting fire with fire. We, and, and you don't have to fight scripture with scripture. Scripture will never fight against itself. Scripture is going to agree with itself. So, um, I, I felt like that was an important thing for me to put early on in this because uh, I don't want you to get the wrong impression. I'm not giving this to you so that you can run out there with bullets in your gun <laughs> and, uh, and, and win all of your scriptural fights. That is not what the Lord has 
has uh, commissioned us to do. He's commissioned us to be able to represent truth and teach truth. And uh, what I find is that if you teach, you will make disciples. And if you argue, you will destroy potential disciples. So uh, let's make sure that we're handling the truth wisely. As I said, we're in Genesis, uh, not Genesis, Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to start at verse 12. This is Moses at the burning bush. And uh, it says, And he said, this is the Lord speaking to Moses. It's interesting that, that in the interactions that we have in the Old Testament, that it's always one voice that is speaking to the prophets. I think, I think it's interesting from the perspective of if, if there was a son sitting next to the father uh, in the Old Testament, if there was a Holy Spirit that was, who knows what the Holy Spirit's ever doing, according to some people. Like, I don't know where the Holy Spirit is other than like appearing randomly in the New Testament occasionally, but I'm like, you know, I thought these were co-equal and I thought they were co-eternal, but, but for some reason, uh, whenever we see the voice of God or we encounter the voice of God, it's always one singular voice. It's funny how that appears later on in scripture where, you know, it's, we're, we're commanded as his body, by the way, a representation of him on earth that we all be one as he is one. And, uh, and also on top of that, um, that we learn later, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. What, what would that say about a triple-minded God? But that's uh, for another day, I guess. And he said, certainly I will be with thee, not we will be with you. Verse 12 again, he said, certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I, not we, I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers, uh, he's referring to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob right there, hath sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, he's saying, Let me introduce myself to you. Let me, let me reveal to you and give you the revelation that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had about me. And that is this, God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Not we are that we are. I am that I am. That's my name, okay? Uh, he, how do I know? Moses specifically asks, they shall say, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And the reply that God gets when he, at, when he is asked, what is your name? I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Now, this is where the Jews first begin forming this, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I feel for them right here because it's, it's, uh, it's taking a God that is completely infinite, the only God that is, that is completely infinite, unable to be measured, and you're finally giving him a name that, that at, at, at a minimum, it is giving him some form. We're trying to find a, a grasp towards uh, you know, the identity of God, which is eternal, which is infinite, which is uh, you know, as broad as, as any man could ever imagine that 
you know, the, the scripture says, Paul writes, to know the love of God, which is to pass, which passeth understanding. That's, that's just one little piece of him, you know. So, so as, as God has given Moses a name, the name that he gives him is I am, or I am that I am. What, what is the, the meaning behind all of this? It is, it is this, okay? I am refers to simply vast, immeasurable existence, okay? That is, I am what I am. I am what I was. I am what I will be. I am who I am. I am who I was. I am who I will be. I am how I am. I am how I was. I am how I will be. You see what I'm saying here, folks, is I am encompasses not some type of action or, uh, you know, specifically or, or not um, some measurable qualities, but it is I, I am encompasses it all. I am, what are you? I am whatever you need me to be. If you need water in the desert, I am the rock that follows you and gives you water. If you need a deliverer, I am the deliverer that, that will bring plagues uh, against Egypt. Oh, you need me to part the waters? Guess what? I am the one that is able to part the waters. And he introduces himself as I am. Now, uh, for one one thing I want to credit the Jews for is the 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 high high honor that they give to the name of the Lord. I I, I am um, I I respect that. I honor that. Uh, I honor them for that because we know that this is not something that we should uh, just carry around uh, you know any old way. Uh, proof of that, okay, is going to be found in Exodus chapter 20, all right? And uh, Exodus chapter 20 is where we get the, uh, the Ten Commandments. Moses, who is the guy that God just introduced him to, um, Moses is saying, you know, uh, Lord, what what are what are going to be the laws? How how do you how do you want us to act? And and the Lord has been uh, spending time with him up on the mountaintop, and and we know the whole debacle about what Aaron, what was going on with Aaron and and the people of God and the golden calf and all of this stuff, right? Well, whenever uh, whenever uh, we we see the uh, in Exodus chapter twenty, it's spe- it's specifically in verse seven. Exodus 20 and 7, he says, You shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And then it goes a little further. The Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. What God says right there is, If you take my name in vain, you will not get away with it. Now, we have reduced that to being a a list of cuss words that you're not allowed to say. You know, just don't say the GD. Don't say... Don't say like the really, really bad cuss word. Don't do that. Um, that's what we've reduced it to. If you look at this in the Hebrew, if you look at this in the, uh, in the original language, what you'll find is that what he says right there is when he says, take the name, take thy, the, the Lord's name in vain. Take there, that verb take, literally means to carry. And so what he's really saying there is you shall not carry my name in vain. What is that? 
the, the word vain means to have holes in it. It means, uh, it, that's where we get vanity from because vanity is fleeting. Uh, vanity literally means temporary. And so what he's saying there is don't carry my name if you're only going to live it part time. Don't carry, don't put my name on you if you're going to act like the people who are not by my name. Uh, we, 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 what we get here is the Lord cautioning the people of God saying, you need to recognize that my name is special. My name is precious. And so if you carry my name only temporarily, if you carry my name in vain, if you represent my name in vain, you're not going to get away with it. Well, I mean, hey, that's pretty, that's pretty serious language. Well, the, what, what happens though is I am that I am became so precious, or you could just say I am, became so precious. And what we see this represented as later is called the Tetragrammaton, okay? Tetragrammaton, and by the way, Tetragrammaton sounds really impressive. It sounds like a super important, big, long word, but literally Tetragrammaton comes from the Greek word meaning something written with four letters. <laughs> That's real powerful, right? I am that I am uh, came out uh, as we have kind of converted it from Hebrew to Greek and then from Greek to English. Uh, into YHWH, which if you've ever heard anybody use Yahweh, that's where they're getting that from. Yahweh is, is how we have uh, tried to take the, the original Hebrew, which had no vowels, attach, uh, take it from Hebrew to Greek and then from Greek to English, and we have plugged in the vowels A and E, and we have given this uh, the name, or we've called it Yahweh. It's, it's first represented as YHWH, or that's as close as we can get to the name I am that I am. And uh, for a long time, that name was so precious and so sacred that uh, the high priest was only the one that was able to actually use that name. And uh, they would use it on Yom Kippur. They would use it on you know, the Day of Atonement, and they would speak. And, the, and if you read your history, you'll find that the Hebrews would surround the temple uh, and, and they would lay prostrate, they would lay uh, face down, face to the earth as the, as the high priest would be the only one who, is, who has the authority uh, to speak the name, I am that I am. And, uh, and the people would, uh, would respond, uh, Hashum, which, and, and my Hebrew pronunciations are terrible, but uh, they would respond confirming the name of the Lord. That's, that's what they would say. So he would say, Yahweh, or this is as close as I can get, Yahweh, and they would respond the name of the Lord. That's what they would say. Now, what happens is in the 6th sixth, sixth century B.C., okay, 600 years before Christ, we have the Babylonian exile. We have Babylon uh, invades uh, Jerusalem. Babylon invades uh, Israel. And, and the Babylonians uh, had this unique way of conquering people. They would take the Jews and, and others that they had conquered, and they would, uh, they would do two things. First off, they would adopt the gods, uh, the gods or God in, 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 the, in the terms of the Jews. Remember, He's always been one. 
they would take, they would adopt that God and they would put him next to all the other Babylonian gods. They wouldn't remove uh, the God or gods of the people who they were conquering. And so, uh, additional to that, they would, they would spread the people out uh, all across the world. They would ship, they would, they would put Jews on ships and put them uh, in caravans and they would put them on the backs of camels and they would send uh, Jews all over the place. And if you've ever wondered why in Acts chapter 2, whenever the Holy Ghost is poured out and we see, and there were, there were Jews who had gathered there out of every tribe and every country uh, on earth, the reason for that is because the Jews got spread out so far during the different uh, captivities, during the different overthrows. We, they were overthrown by the Babylonians, by the Persians. Rome came in and every time the Jews would be spread out more and more. And all this was later was just a recipe for revival to spread so far whenever uh, Christ being revealed as, hey, this is the embodiment, the Son, the manifestation, the indwelling of Old Testament Yahweh I am that I am has become, Yahweh has become Yeshua, which is Jehovah or Yahweh has become our salvation. That, that refers to a manifestation or as I spoke of last week or in episode 1 in John 1 and 14, we beheld, right, we, that word became flesh or the uh, Yahweh became flesh, Yahweh became manifested in flesh, Yahweh was tabernacled in flesh and we saw the physical manifestation of the same God that we saw in the Old Testament. Now just give me a couple more minutes because I want, to, I want to go a little bit further here with this Yahweh thing. In the Babylonian exile in the 6th, 6th century BC, okay, the Jews stopped using the name Yahweh. Even the high priests no longer used the name Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, I am that I am, as God introduced himself to, uh, to Moses. They no longer used this, and uh, instead they decided to replace this. This is during the time of the exile, Babylonian exile. They replaced this with the, with the title Adonai, okay? And if you ever read Adonai, if you ever hear Adonai, the, that word simply means my Lord, okay? Adonai. And what would happen is whenever they would run across the name of God or whenever they would run across the word for God, which originally was, again, supposed to be I am, Yahweh, they would replace that and they would not read Yahweh. They would not read I am. They would read instead Adonai. They would replace that word in their text. Two reasons for that. The first is because, as I said, the Jews were so far spread out all over the place that, uh, that they're, they're, they, they did not want the name of God to be handled loosely by those that they were rubbing elbows with and, and those that they were cohabitating with. And, you know, they, they're, they're, they wanted that to remain precious and remain uh, sacred. The other reason is because uh, they did not want that name to evolve. They did not want that name to be polluted uh, with some other meaning or some other, uh, you know, if, if, if you have slaves that have just come into your country and they have a precious name that means everything to them, 
one of the best ways that you can really hit hit them in the gut is to is to pollute that name that they hold so precious. So they replaced uh, they replaced Yahweh with Adonai, and uh, and and Yahweh, by the way, is also how we get the word Jehovah. But that's for another lesson. Um, I, I I think I'm going to pause here actually. Okay. I know, I know, I know what you're thinking, uh, but I made a commitment to my wife, to myself, to my listeners that I'm going to limit these episodes in length. And so uh, I, I'm going to see if I can stand to wait until next week, but, but keep your eyes out. This week very well might end up with two separate episodes. This will be part one on the name of God, and uh, we're definitely, definitely going to have a part two, maybe a part three. But um, the, the main thing I want you to take away from this is that, is that the Lord, as He introduced Himself to Moses, uh, He introduced Himself as Yahweh. I am that I am. Not we am or we are, but Yahweh. I am that I am. The Lord instructed the people, do not carry my name in vain. And finally, there was a dropping of Yahweh and a replacement uh, of the term Adonai, meaning Lord. That is going to come in very important play uh, in part two. We're going to look at how Yahweh, I am, appears in the New Testament and what that looks like. Is Jesus the same Father? Is Jesus the same God of the Old Testament? Or is the Son something separate but equal? Yep, that term never works out. <laughs> so. Uh, I'll catch you guys next time and uh, probably later on in the same week. So again, keep your eyes peeled. Be looking for uh, these new these episodes and be sure to like, share, subscribe, review. Check out the Steadfast Devotional podcast with uh, Trey Cornwell, John Calvin Chance. Check out the uh, uh, all of the other apostolic content out there. I'm scared that I'm going to say their name wrong, so I don't want to do that. God bless you guys. Love you. See you next time.